Here's a news flash. Surprise, surprise. Well, look at you. The whole world is watching for my next move. Oh, my God. Times have changed. There are no rules. You're going to love it. Hi, and welcome to Skip Intro, the podcast from Binge, all about the world's best television. Each week, we're here to discuss the biggest new shows on Binge, along with our dinner party recommendations. My name is John Boehm, here with Ali Herbert-Burns, and together we look after all the great TV and movies that you see on Binge. Ali, we've got two brand new but quite different shows to talk about today. What are we discussing? We're discussing a new police crime series as we return to the streets of Baltimore for We Own This City and a horror comedy called The Baby, which is an eight-part series that's just started as well. Cool. Before we explore motherhood, let's head to the streets of Baltimore for We Own This City. In a city of 620,000, BPD cops reported over 300,000 pedestrian stops in the last five years. You guys have locked up and beat on so many people, we can't get 12 in a box we're willing to trust what a cop says. Could there ever be a moment where a police officer performed their job in such a manner that you would agree with a finding that he should be fired? for abusive behavior or brutality. Certainly. Has it ever happened? 20 years after the debut of The Wire, its creators, David Simon and George Pelicanos, returned to the streets of Baltimore and its police force for We Own This City, a new drama series based on the non-fiction book of the same name. Focusing on the corruption within the plain clothes gun trace task force and the aftermath of a death in custody, the series is a wide-ranging critique on policing and the criminal justice system. Ali, this is uh, some heavy stuff. We've got one episode out right now. What do you think of it? Isn't it interesting? So it's a six-part police series. We're used to seeing these kind of stories told as procedurals, aren't we? You kind of like cops on the street and you really got to get to know them. What I really found interesting about this is it's kind of honing in on the squad of cops that are kind of patrolling a certain patch. But over the six episodes, it's, it's also got quite a contained storyline as well about corruption and, and the investigation into that corruption. So you get the benefits of a cop show, what it's like life on the streets from the kind of points of view of what they're covering. But it's kind of got this other sophisticated story out going through it around more of a view on policing, police brutality, corruption the whole system really from the the politics to the people investigating the police to the police themselves to the criminals yeah it's really well done it's got the gritty kind of the realism of being out on the streets and what modern day policing looks like that I think a lot of people that like police shows will instantly relate to here but I think it's almost got this view on Black Lives Matter what's happening in America in the last couple of years you've got police trying to arrest people and then people are out with their phones recording it and live streaming it straight away to the point where police are kind of just like leaving walking away from it yeah Yeah. like that to put someone in cuffs and then just like walking away from the scene so I think there's some really modern interesting elements of that but I like that it still takes you into the lives of life on the beat as well Besides the Black Lives Matter stuff, which I think it's worth pointing out, this series is based on a nonfiction book that actually happened and this corruption that actually happened within this gun trace task force. It actually takes place in, I want to say 2015? 2016, I think. Yeah, 2015. Yeah. So I I think it's interesting that it's it's pre-COVID, but it's also pre-George Floyd and pre that sort of big, most recent reckoning that we've had. I don't know that much about local Baltimore 
real life policing, but it does seem like they had their own sort of local reckoning around a, a death in custody that then resulted in its own sort of reckoning and protests. And this series is in the aftermath of that. So they already sort of had their own small George Floyd-like moment locally where the police are now talking about, you know, getting filmed with every crime that happens and the police are very aware of the scrutiny that they're under. Yeah, I just think it's interesting the timing that it takes place in because you can kind of see where it's going. Why we found ourselves where we did last summer, yeah. For those who are not familiar with David Simon and The Wire, I thought it might be worth running through his his little CV because this is one of those shows where if we were going to put a billboard up for this show, I imagine the thing that we would put at the top of the billboard is from the creators of The Wire. The most acclaimed policing show in the history of television. (laughs) (laughs) So, yeah, it's really the credentials and the creatives behind this series is that why you should watch it. If you know David Simon or have watched The Wire, you will already be sold on this. But some of David Simon's other shows, obviously most famously known for The Wire, um, which the BBC recently called the greatest show in the 21st century, which... Seems oh, like I an, just made that up for our billboard. No, comment, no, but this, the Beeb said it. The BBC said true. the greatest show of the oh, 21st well, century. Yeah. Apologies to any future shows that are made during this century. <laughs> <laughs> the Wire's already won it. But other shows that he's made, by the way, all of these are on binge because he's um, very committed to HBO. So The Wire is all on binge. The show he made after that was Generation Kill, which was based on another nonfiction book, and that was about the first 40 days of the war in Iraq. After that, he made Treme, which was about a post-hurricane New Orleans in the life of people um, after Hurricane Katrina, ravaged New Orleans. He then made Show Me a Hero, which starred Oscar Isaac and was about this white neighborhood's resistance to this public housing development and the young mayor at at the center of it. And then he made The Juice, which was about porn in New York in the 70s. Mm -hmm. That's the juice, not like the orange juice. Yeah, so juice. Juice, yep. (laughs) Um, He made the juice. uh, And then just before We Own This City, the most recent series he made was The Plot Against America, which is this alternate history. um, And it's about the rise of this populist politician who sort of turns America towards fascism. Um, And when it came out, everyone was like, oh, you're talking about Trump. And it's like, what kind of is? But it was not based in modern times. But needless to say, he's very prolific, incredibly critically acclaimed. I don't know if you can get more critically acclaimed than the BBC saying you've made the greatest show in the 21st century. But I think what also runs through a lot of his shows is that he looks at sort of the, like the institutions and the systems that get us to the place that we are. So how the media covers something, how the police, you know, don't police themselves, how local politicians try to, you know, get reelected and all that. David Simon used to be a, a crime reporter. So kind of, yeah. Again. So he, he got his start in the Baltimore sun reporting on these crimes. So again, that's where I think he brings that, like the media angle to these stories. And, you know, a lot of his series also involve, you know, the press are covering the police or whatever else other story he's talking about. And that's what I found really interesting about We Own This City because you're following the lead cop that's being interrogated um, who gets arrested by the FBI and, and they start to break open the pack of the police that are in on this inside job, I suppose. But you're also seeing the good work they're trying to do on the street. Like it's like they're working within a system that's broken and they're therefore having to compete with what they've got. There's almost this premise if you can't be snow white, you can't be perfectly clean in this. Like you're going to have to maybe do things not in 100% by the book, but then that starts to then yeah, slide into a bit of a hero cop status, gets given a too much freedom or kudos, and then where do you self-police or how do you control yourself and your power to then where that moves to but you are watching police 
also trying to do really good work. So it's not it's not a bash up on police. It's not like you're watching like to your point a Black Lives Matter George Floyd thing where you're looking at really despicable p- police brutality. You're kind of looking at drugs and crime and the way this system works and how easy it is to be corrupted by the system and how easy it is for good or new cops who come into the system to suddenly find themselves with a bad cop who is stealing money and then what do you, do you not steal the money what like yeah i guess one of the the bigger themes of this series and a lot of his other work is if the system is broken how do you move forward with that <laughs> if you're working in a broken system where no one can operate perfectly then mm. like should the system exist how do you move forward in a world where everyone's a little bit corrupt it's a really good shout because when I watched this I thought why don't they just like there'd be an element where you just be like I'm just give up like if I'm a cop and I'm trying to actually do some good and I come in with all the right right intentions and stuff I was like surely there'd be lots of days you just go home and go I'm I'm out tap out I'm not doing yeah it just does raise the question of like what what role do the police play and how are the police portrayed in media, I think is also really important. Holding a mirror up a bit as well, isn't it, to American life, like urban decay, what's happening in cities. And as you say, it's in 2016, the Y was 2002, 2001, I think, wasn't it? So it's like, what's really happened in America, like in the last 20 years or 25 years, or what does life on the streets and the state of the police force represent about what else is going on in society? Like, you know, we've lost the war on drugs. It's quite confronting the wire is 20 years old this year for, was, was oh. its first season there's no less drugs on the streets or crimes happening so maybe we need to reevaluate how we address that but that is not what this podcast is about no my gosh we're going very deep i've got some theories but like let's not <laughs> let's not put them out in the world let's not put them out in the world. but i think why this show is really worth a watch is it's six episodes it's contained you're kind of going back into so if you've watched the why you love the why you love david simon you're going back into a world that's somewhat familiar but then i think you have to stop the comparisons between these shows this is not a long-running five six season series this is six episodes looking at quite a contained event it's kind of set back in this world of baltimore and policing but he's almost coming at it with a different view which i think is also really cool he's clearly an expert crime reporter written so many series um, of the wire but is kind of trying to get a new point across in this as well and for six episodes there's criminal stuff going on there's parts of it quite heavy you're following multiple times it's, it's flashing back to bits and pieces you're following an investigation and then the police crew that are being investigated so you're flashing back to a lot of their stuff on the street yeah i found it really compelling yeah the comparisons to the wire are unavoidable given the setting and the topic and the and the creators it's a very new take on the topic but as you said it's a six episode series uh the first episode has dropped and the remaining series will go out weekly on a tuesday now who's in we own the city because obviously the wire lots so many amazing people that start in that dominic west amongst them and idris elba idris elba just you know hello who's in we own the city that people might recognize uh john bernthal's kind of the star i guess of the show at least of the episodes i've seen um he's from the the walking dead and wolf of wall street and, and the punisher and he plays the uh, main sergeant jenkins who's kind of the center of this task force that's that's getting investigated and uh, people might also be familiar with josh charles who's been in the good wife and sports night and a number of other things he's got a brilliant cast as all these David Simon shows sort of famously do. Yeah. Josh Charles is another kind of crooked cop, isn't he? John was saying David Simon worked as a police reporter in Baltimore. His longtime writing partner on The Wire is also back with this, Ed Burns, who himself was a ex-police detective. 
um, along with George Pelicanus and a lot of the other creative heads and brains that brought us The Wire. We're doing our jobs. What do people want for us to stop policing? They want us to do it without the collateral damage. You know, with the Baltimore cops, you don't have complaints of doing every day. Mm. They sure as hell ain't policing. And you can't just blame the cops. We serve the politicians who thrive on being tough on crime. And when they reinstated me, they put me in a unit made up of a bunch of the biggest crooks in the whole goddamn department. But now from the uh, streets of Baltimore to the cliffs of Dover, I want to say. <laughs> Yeah, we're in England. It wasn't, it felt like, is it in London? Where is it being shot? It's a cliff somewhere in the UK. We've got the baby. The woman fell from the cliff, followed by the baby, which I caught like this. Two police officers are dead, Natasha. A boulder had fallen on them. You think I crushed them to death with a boulder? I think there's something you're not telling me. We'll have a fun time together, won't we? Yes. What? You can trust me with your baby. This isn't my baby, Reese. Well, it is. When a baby literally falls into her arms, the single and carefree Natasha finds her life catapulted into a string of horrific deaths, seemingly caused by the adorable, nameless, and possibly demonic baby that she is unable to get rid of. Ali, this is an interesting comedy, horror, half-hour, British, American copro. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'd lead with horror. I was waiting for the laughter to come. Like, well, like more... a, light, a light horror. Yeah, well, there's quite Tone, a lot. Tonally, there's a lot of blood, so I would, uh, we should say. A dog gets killed, people. There are... A number of humans also get killed. A lot of humans as well. <laughs> yeah. yeah, no, it's that typical horror, like, ah! And as we've talked about in the podcast before, like not my go-to genre. So I did was like, oh. This is our second second comedy horror for the pod after it Shining Veil. Vale. after Shining Veil. Vale. Although yeah. I found Shining Veil vale more, I laughed more in Shining Veil. Vale. Like, yes. I feel like this humor is, is it supposed to be like a bit ironic. I don't know. Yeah. This show, I, yeah, I don't really know what to compare it to. It's certainly unique. The premise is unique. And if, if yeah, if we've not made it clear, there's this like demonic baby that this woman who's not the mother, we don't think, just finds herself with literally falls off a cliff and she catches it and then everywhere she goes people seem to die and it seems to be the baby killing yeah, so anything anyone that the baby touches that is potentially diverting attention of the mother natasha the well the, the holder of the baby let's call her is kind of killed by this baby who's this it's actually played by these twins but this is perfect blonde the baby is thing. great looks so cute yeah cute little you know knitted yellow booties but like killer baby kills with a look kind of thing so this woman Natasha is literally like the last she's 38 years old she doesn't have kids all her friends start having babies and she's a kind of a shit friend because she gets annoyed that her friends are no longer available to her so she's kind of like not the most likable lady she goes away to kind of clear her head after a fight with some friends and as you say catches a baby falling from a cliff I kind of looked at this and I thought is this trying to tell the tale of some of the difficulties of the first few months of parenting almost that she's sometimes you think is she like hypnotized or is she in some kind of trance it's like her mind's playing tricks on her which I think a lot of people when they're sleep deprived so yeah in the first few episodes that we've been able to watch you're like what is flashbacks what is true and is this is it trying to like paint the picture of how a baby doesn't have to be a killing demonic baby but it almost takes over the life of the parent that it pulls them out of everything else that they know and causes great discomfort for the, yeah. for the mother as this woman's life is 
you know, made uncomfortable and is blown up when this unwanted child kind of enters into her life. Yeah, like you said, we, we've only seen the first few episodes, so we don't know the answer to this. But I think my assumption of having seen the first few eps is, and again, not a parent, not a mother. My assumption is that the show is meant to be some sort of like allegory for motherhood and that when a baby comes into your life, like it changes everything and it just blows up your world and nothing is the same again. And this is yeah. a, meant to be a, a very dramatic version of that story. Yeah, it's just different, isn't it? I don't know. They're 30-minute episodes. I race through the, I think we had six to screen and there are eight altogether. So I also don't know how this finishes yet. And I, yeah. it's got me talking, it's got me wondering. So that's a good sign. But I did whiz through them because the 30 minutes, like you, all of a sudden, even when you're getting to a point in a couple of the episodes, I was like, okay, well, this is crazy. I think I've had enough here. And then the episode was and then it's, and I was Yeah. Like, I was like, okay, kind of want to know what happens next. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, it is going out weekly though, so people will get to watch this in the weekly drops. I think if you tune into this, I think there'll be a lot of our viewers and subscribers on Binge that'll click on this thinking it's a nice, sweet baby show and are going to be 10 minutes into the first episode going, what am I watching? So warning for those, this is not like a cute baby show. <laughs> like it's, no. it's a horror. It's a horror scene. Well, I think, I don't know if it's the very the very opening scene, I think potentially is this like baby crawling towards a cliff and you're just like, oh my God, like what's happening? Yeah, um, it's a woman running through a field being chased by cops and yeah, and then this first incident happened so uh, certainly from the moment I started watching the sound the running I was like I'm what is happening here like I was really following it it's also visually really interesting the the cabin that she stays in and then at one point there's like she's literally in like a cornfield like it is this like heightened horror it's bringing out all the places that like it's almost isn't it it's like there's a cabin that's deserted and there's yeah. a cliff and there's a cornfield. Yeah, it's like... And like the, the roadside cafe and... Yeah, that's so true, actually. I hadn't noticed that until you'd said that. Yeah, that's a really good point. My current vibe from vibe of having seen a few webs is sort of like interested confusion because I don't know where it's going, but also yeah. it's such a compellingly strange premise that I want to know where it's going. It is. And there's some good people behind it, aren't there? Like one of the... Um, the- the director of the first episode, Nicole Kessel, has done the following, which I don't know um, if you've watched John, a, a Warner Brothers show from a few years ago, also really scary. The Leftovers did some of Watchmen as well. So like some um, kind of sets up the premise and the look and feel for the kind of directors that follow from that first episode. And again, I think it's been really well acted. It's just there's a bit of a sense of like, what am I watching? Yeah, I think it does benefit from being a half hour because you get dragged in really quickly and then you want to know what happens next, but there's not enough time for it to slow down before the next episode starts. Again, horror is not what I would normally watch to relax or whatever, but it was just enough horror to then make me go, what's happening? And then the horror is constant through every episode, but it's secondary to the story that's happening. So yeah, I just kept going with it. It's fresh. It's different. It'll get people talking. (laughs) So yeah, The Baby, as we've said, eight half hour episodes, which are going out once a week. And the first episode is streaming now. You can watch new episodes each Monday of The Baby on Binge and uh, follow along with us to see where the hell this show's going. Are you happy? I don't know. It's just a lot. All the time. Forever. Let's pop them on the table. Just a routine checkup, dear. Doesn't like anyone touching him. You give him attachment issues. Crime, policing, babies, horror stories. We've heard about lots of things, John, in this week's podcast, but what are your dinner party recommendations, shows you need to talk about or that are great on binge that more people need to know about? Just another topic to to throw out at the dinner party, which everyone loves to discuss, is religion. So I am recommending The Way Down, God, Greed and the Cult of Gwen Shamblin. 
When Gwen first started, I truly believed she really wanted to help people. She was so charismatic. God revealed to me that the key to permanent weight control is a matter of the heart. I love a good cult. Come on, tell us Yes, all. so this is a five-part HBO documentary series. Why I am recommending it to you this week is that three episodes came out late last year and the final two have just come out this week. So you've now got oh. the whole, you've now got the whole five parts to watch. It is about this Gwen Shamblin woman who ran a strange church in the US that was very much focused on weight loss. It was like a telly church, wasn't it? She was like a evangelist, but did it on TV. Yeah. So she, a very strong personality. She has a very distinct hair situation. If you a Google her. Bouffant. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so a really distinct looking woman who had this very public facing church that was all based around this very strict diet and this sort of very strange discipline around food and raising children. So it, it hits on a bunch of interesting things around religion and family and church and diet and all that. So heaps of interesting stuff. And this isn't a spoiler because it's what happens in the first episode. But what sort of propels this documentary is that Gwen and her husband, who is this like actor who played Tarzan in some TV shows, die in a plane crash in the first episode. So that kind of kicks off the story of who this woman was and people sort of come out of the um, woodwork to start to talk about her because while she was still around, she was considered to be quite powerful and scary and people were afraid to talk negatively against the church it's from memory they're in this small town as well and they all live in like this gated community so the reason because i always wonder like why are people too scared to talk out it's almost because people are living in the same gated community that then yeah i think she was just she was like a big deal in her community and you wouldn't do that but also my understanding of why this series has been broken up into these two parts because it's a bit strange to come out with three and then wait a few months to come out with two which was this documentary was being produced before the accident that killed her and her husband so they were they were making this documentary because she was an interesting character who had this sort of strange story and cult and church and mystery behind her and the documentary was being made while she was alive after she does die a lot of people then were more willing to talk to the documentary people. So that's why they've sort of staggered the release of it because, you know, there's now all this extra material that's happened as a result of her death. So, yeah, it's really interesting. It is that kind of classic, like, culty, true crime thing. Um, Very compelling, lots of twists and turns. But, yeah, also got this, like, interesting mix of also being about this odd diet and also being wrapped up in this sort of mystery around her, you know, relatively recent death. That's what I really liked about it because, like, we've we've talked about righteous gemstones on this before and cults and you know people getting caught up in pyramid schemes and things like that I just find some of these topics very interesting but this does pull in a few things because she's a female leader of the church she's got some interesting children divorce new partner which made me think of righteous gemstones and then you know she's got this element of like wanting everyone to look a certain way and be thin and like almost potentially eating disorder territory. The fact that in real life she's died in a plane crash. Like it's super, super interesting story. Don't just kind of look at weight loss and the cult element. Like there's some really interesting ways in. So yeah, all five episodes, the original three and, and the new two apps are all now streaming on Binge. It is extremely unusual to have a religious group led by a woman. There are men who are elders of the entire church. But the truth of the matter is I don't believe that Gwen is accountable to anybody. That's the reason I call her Gwen Almighty. 
She's going to decide whether you make it to heaven or not. So, Ali, we've now discussed religion and cults, <laughs> um, along with everything else at the, the dinner table tonight. What are you recommending? I'm going to talk, talk about cults, um, a show that has a cult following. See what I did there, John? Very good, very good. Is Girls. So I calculated and I can last in New York for three and a half more days, maybe seven if I don't eat lunch. We should never be anyone's slave, except mine. He never, ever texts you back. My entire life has been one ridiculous mistake after another. When you get hungry enough, you're going to figure it out. Physically hungry or like hungry for the job? I am really going to miss your energy. Six seasons, 62 episodes. Um, this is the story of Hannah, 20-something New Yorker and her friends that are coming of age in New York. It aired in 2012. It ran across six seasons until 2017. So there's a bit of a, I think it's probably a 10-year anniversary of, of it coming out. And if you haven't seen this show, highly recommend it. It's very, very clever. It's a comedy drama. Lena Dunham writes and stars in this. It's executive produced by Judd Apatow, who's got amazing comedy chops across television, Hello Freaks and Geeks, and cinema, 40-Year Virgin, Trainwreck, Cable Guy. But what was interesting about this, you kind of think of um, Sex in the City, looked at a certain generation of women in New York. What girls did is as a younger group of women, they were kind of coming of age in their 20s. They were separating away from their parents and working out who they were in life, really followed their dating dilemmas, their employment and study dilemmas, largely influenced on Lena's experiences. But it was kind of known for very female point of view, female sexuality, famously Lena's, you know, naked and, and, and nude in a lot of the episodes, body image, yeah, sex there's some pretty contentious issues when you look back of it as well with 2022 eyes things like sexual assault and things like that but it was was kind of if you if you loved girls you loved it you're on board and we were talking about it in a podcast a few weeks ago um when we were talking about the flight attendant talking about zosha mamet from girls who stars in the flight attendant as cassie played by kelly kuko's um awesome best friend um, one of the great things that came out of girls as well is adam driver for those that are a fan but lots and lots of reasons to get into girls if you haven't watched it or maybe it's time for a, a review yeah i loved it i was a mid-20s boy when it came out and i fell straight into it i feel like hbo are very good at making these like sort of generation defining shows and they had sex in the city and they had girls and now they have euphoria i feel like a lot of shows have girls to thank for their existence i feel like it's sort of established a new almost format for what mm. what a sort of personal character driven writer creator made show could look like and i think we now have lots of them thanks to streaming yeah and we talked about this when we were talking about sex lives of college girls weren't we mm. as well as yeah exactly in terms of setting up this kind of world yeah, I remember like they did some really interesting things. Like there's episodes that are just like two-handers where it's Hannah and a guy she meets and that's the whole episode. And like, they, yeah, they just did really interesting things, I thought. Mm. And yeah, I loved it. But I've not, I've not watched it recently. So it's probably worth a rewatch. On the 10th anniversary of Girls, it's time for a rewatch. Or if you get to discover this one, highly recommend, as I said, 62 episodes, six seasons. Um, so if you're looking for a new show to sink your teeth into, Give girls a go. I think that I may be the voice of my generation, or at least a voice of a generation. I think you are. I'm tight. A bit, yes. I'm a lady. She's a lady. You're a lady. We're the ladies. Please stop the fight. This week, we were chatting about 
David Simon's new drama, We Own This City, the new comedy horror series, The Baby. I recommended that you check out The Way Down. And Ali suggested that we revisit Girls for its 10th anniversary. All of these are streaming for you now on Binge, which of course you can find on your favorite device. I am John Baum, joined every week by Ali Herbert Burns. Uh, Thank you so much for listening. This podcast is produced by Dan Barrett with audio editing and mixing by Chris Yates. And we'll be back next week.